0: Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we are grateful that you—you uh, you have given us your word, you have given us uh, stories, you've given us examples, but you've given us more than that. You've given us a clear picture of your heart and what you want to do in our lives. Uh, I pray today, Lord, that that um, that we would see exactly what you want us to see today. That we would we would hear. From your spirit today, and that I would just get out of the way, and that you would be able to speak uh, to all of our hearts today, Lord. Uh, bless us in that, in Jesus' name, Amen. Now there was a Pharisee a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council, came to Jesus at night, and he said, "Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher." Who's come from God, for no one could perform the signs you're doing, and God were not with him. And Jesus replied very truly, I tell you, no one can see this kingdom of God unless they are born again. It was a very good thing that Nicodemus went to Jesus that night. He thought he was just checking out this new rabbi who had suddenly appeared in Jerusalem, but his clandestine meeting with Jesus changed. His life. He could have missed what God was doing, but his curiosity led to his salvation in Jesus Christ. Nicodemus, I think, never regretted that night when he humbled himself and went to see Jesus. Nick at night. (laughs) That personal encounter with Jesus ended up changing his life and, even more importantly, his eternity. Have you ever met Jesus one-on-one? I know a lot of people like to look at Jesus from a distance, see a picture of him, see a painting, see a, maybe a, a crucifix or, or something on a wall somewhere, and, or maybe admire him through the pages of Scripture still from a distance, maybe at arm's length. Have you ever personally encountered Jesus one on one? I think your personal encounter with Jesus would do something very similar to what it did for Nicodemus. We've already discussed John the Baptist and Andrew, how their lives were changed. And this morning we want to read the Gospel of John's narrative about Nicodemus, the Pharisee. Who was Nicodemus? We will see that Nicodemus was a true seeker after God. And that he was a highly religious person who still, who yet needed to be transformed... By God. And we will see a Nicodemus, another good candidate for the new birth that Jesus offers us all. Nothing had escaped Nicodemus's observation, although he didn't understand everything that was happening. John the Baptizer had appeared some months ago at the Jordan River, east of Jerusalem, preaching a message of repentance. He had told the people to turn from their sins and to be baptized in the Jordan, to have their souls cleansed from sin. The group of Pharisees that Nicodemus belonged to had questioned John. They sent some of their number out there, and they questioned John, are you the Messiah who has been promised or someone else? And John had been very clear with them. He had assured them that he was not the Messiah, but that he was the forerunner. He was the announcer. He was the opening act. To the Messiah, and that had piqued everyone 's interest and curiosity and, and so Nicodemus and the others had started watching things more closely. suddenly, Jesus appeared, and Nicodemus heard that he had gone out to the Jordan to be baptized by john and then John Jesus too began to preach, preaching that the kingdom of God was near, and that everyone should repent and He and his disciples all ba- also baptized a few people. But then Jesus left Jordan, he left the wilderness, and he began traveling from village to village and town to town, healing the sick and preaching about the kingdom of God. And in Nicodemus' mind, just a few days ago, Jesus came to Jerusalem. He went to the temple, and as we read in John 2.14, Jesus found people there selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. Regular money for temple money. And so he made a whip out of cords, and he drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables to those who sold doves. He said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Jesus was outraged by people using the temple for personal profit. And so he drove them out. So the religious leaders questioned Jesus' authority to do such a thing, to which Jesus replied, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. Surely a lot of curious things are happening. And this confrontation ends in a draw. The leaders left Jesus alone for a time. So Jesus continued to stay in Jerusalem during the rest of the Passover feast, healing people of all kinds of illnesses and disabilities. And none of this had escaped Nicodemus's notice. But that doesn't mean he understood what Jesus was doing. He didn't want to reject Jesus out of hand. He wanted to know the truth. So he found a way to get Jesus alone without the rest of the Pharisees knowing that he was doing a little side trip, a little secret rendezvous of his own. We need to see first of all that Nicodemus was a true seeker after God. And that's very important. If you know anything about the Pharisees, you know about the hard time that they were to give Jesus, how much they became his enemies, you may be surprised to hear that one of them could be a true seeker after God. Nicodemus was a Pharisee and leader in the Jewish ruling council. And yet within this council was at least one, possibly two, who were true seekers after God. And that was rare to find in those days. Nicodemus was part of the Jewish hierarchy that strongly believed that they were the only ones on the face of the planet who had it right. They believed that they were the only ones who really knew God. There was some pride there. And yet somehow Nicodemus was different than the other Pharisees. He was more of the open-minded seeker after God. He didn't think he already had all the answers. He didn't need to listen to God anymore, as some of them thought. They, they thought, why bother? We know the word. We know exactly what the law says. But Nicodemus came to Jesus at night because he wanted, first of all, to protect his reputation, his standing in the community. But he just couldn't sit at home wondering, Wondering who Jesus really was. He had to know. So he picked his way through the streets of the city in the dark, found where Jesus was, and met with him. Let's read in John 3, starting the verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No man can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wishes. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. (laughs) You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. Here is a man of God, a man who knows God, with many questions. And Jesus is trying to turn the corner in Nicodemus's mind and heart. Nicodemus was a true seeker after God, even though that was difficult for Pharisees to do. The Pharisees were steeped in their religious traditions and their rituals and their regulations. The Pharisees were steeped in pride because we have it together. We know what we're doing. But here the teacher becomes the pupil. Here the man of position and power humbles himself and asks questions that only a child would. And we say sometimes, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but here's an old dog learning new tricks, (laughs) learning lessons from Jesus, a man who apparently had no authority over him. Here was Nicodemus learning lessons he should have already had known, and, and he's admitting, how can this be? What are you talking about? I don't understand. He's an open-minded, humble seeker after God. Now, there are two other passages in John that I want to point out to you where we see Nicodemus, where his name is mentioned, where he continues, I think, also to seek after God and whatever God was doing. The first passage in John chapter 7, verses 45 through 52. And in this passage, the Pharisees are starting to come after Jesus In fact, they've sent some of their their soldiers after him to kind of collect him, and they come back empty-handed, and this is in John 7, 32, and he comes back, and uh, what they have to say is, well, nobody's ever taught like this guy. There's a bunch of people following him. Could this possibly be the Messiah? Starting down in verse 45, John 7, it says, Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, Why didn't you bring him in? That's what we sent you to do. We're going to bring him back. No one ever spoke the way this man does, they replied. You mean he has deceived you also? The Pharisees retorted. Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? No. But this mob that knows nothing of the law, there's a curse on them. You can see the attitude, can't you? But listen to what Nicodemus says. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier, who was one of their own number, Pharisees, asked, does our law, in fact, condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? And they replied, are you from Galilee too? Look into it. You will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. Nicodemus, this seeker after God, tries to stand up for Jesus. The Pharisees has already decided to get rid of Jesus as soon as they could. They were going to kill him. But here's Nicodemus standing up for Jesus. Don't we need to listen to him? Don't we need to hear him out? Don't we need to ask him questions before we condemn him? Here is an open-minded man seeking after the truth, not just going along with the other high priests, what the majority were thinking, speaking up even in defense of Jesus. Then another passage in John 19, starting at verse 38. John 19, 38. Near the end of John's gospel, the apostle John tells us about Jesus' death on the cross. And he has died on the cross as the soldiers are beginning to take his body down off the cross. Nicodemus appears again in the text of John's gospel. Along with another Pharisee named Joseph of Arimathea. John nineteen thirty-eight. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had earlier visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. This is how they uh, prepared a body for burial. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. And at the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was a Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. These two, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, both Pharisees, now both secret followers of Jesus. Over these months, over a couple years' time, maybe, Nicodemus' mind and heart has been transformed into a new way of thinking, into a new belief, and it began with seeking after God, honestly. Secondly, we see Nicodemus is this highly religious person who still needed to be transformed. Religion hadn't done it. Religion hadn't satisfied. Religion hadn't accomplished its intent. Nicodemus and the other Pharisees thought they had it made. They thought they were as close to God as anyone could be. They did all the right things. They wore the right clothes. They believed the right doctrines. They belonged to the right group. They followed the law of Moses as closely as anyone could follow it. So how was it that these people who were so religious, so close to God, could miss Jesus, the Messiah God sent into the world? How was it that these religious men could become Jesus' enemies. God sends the Deliverer, God sends the Messiah, and they kill him. Well, I want you to know that being religious doesn't make you right, does it? You can be as sincere as anyone about your beliefs and still be sincerely wrong. Look at the Apostle Paul, for example. The Apostle Paul was a Pharisee as well. He was perhaps even more zealous for the law and the Jewish traditions than Nicodemus was. He he confronted was confronted by Jesus while he was on his way to persecute Christians. Jesus uh, gave an even more direct confrontation, more dramatic confrontation to Paul than he did to Nicodemus. And on the way to Damascus, Paul was blinded. He had put his confidence in his flesh, in the law. He was proud of the many ways he was showing his devotion to God. In fact, he talks about this in Philippians 3, 4. He says, if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day On the, uh, the people of Israel, of a tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as far as, as zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. That's where he was. But then he goes on, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them, the other things, garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So you see, being religious doesn't save you. Even if it's the right religion, you know, God had had shown favor. He had chosen the people of Israel. He had shown them the whole law. He had given all of this to them. And yet, they still got off base. They still lost God in the process. Doing all the right rituals doesn't mean a thing if our heart's not right. Following a list of rules may just keep us depending on ourselves rather than on God. So Nicodemus and the Pharisees were highly religious people who thought they were in good standing with God, but they were wrong. They were wrong. Nicodemus' heart, their hearts, needed to be transformed yet by God. And so Jesus when he had the opportunity to speak with Nicodemus one-on-one in this personal encounter, he shook up Nicodemus' world. You're not going to get in the kingdom unless you are born again. Nicodemus thought he was in the kingdom. <laughs> what a shock. He needed to experience a new birth, a new, new birth in Jesus is necessary if our lives are going to change. Nicodemus was already respected. He was already known as an important man of God. He already had a great reputation as a religious leader. And anyone would have been shocked at Jesus' suggestion that Nicodemus was not yet in the kingdom of God. But this is exactly what Jesus said to Nicodemus. You must be born again. You have to start over. You need to start new. Jesus' style is often dramatic and to the point. His encounters with people get to the real issues in their lives very quickly. Conversations with Jesus can take a dramatic turn in a heartbeat. Now, Jesus has a direct advantage over us. You know, we have a conversation with people, and we can only see what we can see. We can only hear what we can hear. But Jesus can look through all that fog and see right into a person's heart. And so his conversations very quickly go to the heart. And so it does with Nicodemus. Jesus intuitively understands people and their motives better than even they do. So Jesus doesn't play games. If you going to have a personal encounter with Jesus, let me warn you about that. He doesn't just play games. He doesn't just say, let's just kind of talk around the edges for a while. Let's just Look at, you know, the exterior of your life. And let's correct that. No, he says, I'm going to go to the very heart of your life. I'm going to talk about your motives. I'm going to talk about where you live in your soul. And so he said to Nicodemus, the first words out of his mouth in John 3, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. You got to start new. You got to start over. You've got to begin again and this time let God Be in charge. Now, Jane and I had two of our grandchildren over the other night, Thursday night. We are going to be gone this week through the week to Indiana, and they're going to be gone some from the middle of the week till next week to Florida, and so it'll be about two weeks we won't see our grandkids from here. So we wanted to have this special night with them. So we Thursday night, late like nine o'clock at night, we brought them over, and we had a great night with them and great day uh, Friday morning. And Friday morning I was up early. Um, I was reminded as I got up early that morning and and one of them came downstairs early that children often tell you what they're thinking, whether you want to hear it or not. They tell you the truth about what they're thinking, what they think about you or anything else, whether you want to hear it or not. So I was up about 5.15, I guess, Friday morning. And about 5.45, Grace and our four-year-old grandson got up early and came down to be with me. Our grandchildren know that I get up early, and first thing I do is get my coffee, and I go to my favorite chair and start having my devotions there. So they know if they happen to get up early, that's where they're going to find me, and they want to just jump up in the seat with me. Well, it's too early. I'm trying to send him back to bed. You know, he had gotten to bed about 11.00 he's up at 545, this is not enough time for you, go back to bed. But his sister's upstairs, and if I took him up there, and he's not wanting to go back to bed, we're going to wake her, and then we're going to have both of them awake. So I thought, I can't win here, just stay with me. Go to sleep on my lap or something. So he's just snuggling up on my lap, got a nice blanket, he's ready to go back to sleep. But he's not interested in going back to sleep. And in a moment, the truth started coming out. And his question was, what's that smell, poppy? I said, well, maybe it's the coffee I've been drinking. I don't know what you're smelling. No, it's not that. It's something else. I think it's what you ate last night. Didn't you brush your teeth before you went to bed? (laughs) I assured him that I had brushed my teeth, and it certainly wasn't that, because that food was long gone. But he just told me the truth. Something smelled funny about me. So he told me, well, okay, we got past that moment. Few minutes later, he was turned around and facing me now, and he looked up at my face and he poked my cheeks with one of his fingers, and he said, uh, Papa, your face is squishy. And I said, yeah, Grayson, that's what happens when you get old. Face gets a little squishy. Very funny, grandson. You know, you can always count on children to tell you the truth, what they think about us. I bring that up because I want you to know this. Jesus is going to tell you the truth, too. If you personally encounter Jesus, if you deal with Jesus, you talk with Jesus, and Jesus talks with you, he's going to tell you the truth because he knows it's what you need. At times, what he tells you may seem harsh, but it will actually be a great kindness to you for Jesus to tell you the truth because he knows the truth. He's never wrong. never just goes with an idea. He knows exactly what is true. And this is what Jesus did with Nicodemus. He told him the truth. He knew that Nicodemus, like all of us, needed to be born again to experience the new birth that only Jesus can give us. He needed hope and salvation as much as anyone, even though everyone thought that he had it made with God. (laughs) Everyone else was impressed with Nicodemus. Nicodemus knew the truth that he still needed a change of heart. Because all of us need a change of heart. All of us need to be saved. All of us have fallen short of God's glory and sinned. We're in need of a savior. Even people who think they do not. (laughs) That's what we need. And so Jesus said you must be born again. And if you're not born again you will not enter the kingdom of God. You must be reborn spiritually by God's spirit in order to enter the kingdom. At first, he was thrown off, confused by Jesus' word picture, but it is an accurate picture. We need new birth, nothing less than starting over, starting from the beginning, this time with God in charge. We do not experience salvation by doing enough good things in order to counteract our bad things. As a whole system, a lot of works, you know, a lot of religions. If you do enough good things, enough rituals, enough good deeds, eventually you'll override all the bad stuff of your life, and it never works. That is a man-made approach that fails. We do not secretly slip into the kingdom by a side door, maybe riding the coattails of our parents or grandmother or someone. No, conversion is like a physical birth. Dramatic, traumatic. It is starting over, starting new, leaving the old, fully embracing the new. The new birth is admitting that we can't save ourselves. It is admitting that we need a Savior to come in and rescue us. And when we are born again, we have nothing to bring to the table. What what does a baby bring with it when it's born into the world? Nothing. Here I am. And I've got a lot of problems. I've got a lot of things you got to take care of here. I can't do anything for myself. The new birth is a very good picture of our beginning in Christ. We have no reason to take pride in ourselves, no matter who we are, what we have done, even the good things of our life are nothing. And Paul says, I count those things as garbage for the surpassing knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ and having faith in him. So it took a while for Nicodemus to see what Jesus was saying. So Jesus went on. If you have your Bible, go back to John 3 because one of the greatest passages of the scriptures are found here in John 3. Let's start at verse 13. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. This is Jesus' title for himself. No one's ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, me. Just as Moses was lifted up and lifting up the snake in the desert, which is a way for the people to, to be saved from their, their snake bites. So the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. Jesus is saying, okay, put the spotlight on the Son of Man, on Jesus. This is why I'm here. This is, this is what you need to know, Nicodemus. Verse 16, our favorite verse Here is, I think, one of the greatest passages of don't you? Here is Jesus saying, this is why I'm here. This is what the whole story is about. He's giving advance notice to Nicodemus, who is not yet his disciple, exactly why he came, what God was doing, and what God's whole picture was. Here is the whole story, Nicodemus. Here's the truth. I'm just going to dump the whole thing on you and let you wrestle with it over these next few months. And Nicodemus did, because... Nicodemus was a true seeker after God. And Nicodemus realized that even though I'm a very highly religious person, I still need to be transformed by God. And at some point, Nicodemus experienced the new birth in Jesus Christ, I believe. He found out that Jesus was right. So this morning, before we quit, I just want to ask you a couple questions. Are we, you and I, true seekers after God? Or are we just playing games? If we're a if we're Christian, if we even wear the name of Christ, a of follower of Christ, are we true seekers after God? Or do we kind of keep God at a distance, keep God off to the side? God is just a part of my life, but he is not my life. And we say one thing and we do another. Are we... Perhaps religious people, even highly religious people, people who go to church every Sunday, read our Bible, know the doctrines, wear the right clothes, look the right way, act the right way, so that other people are impressed. But do we still need to be transformed in our hearts, radically changed by God? Well, if so, then experiencing the new birth is still the right answer. It's still the way to go. And maybe even as a Christian, as a church member, as a church goer, we have never experienced the new birth that Jesus was talking about here. When you start over, when you start with nothing, and when you admit you have nothing to bring to the table, but that God alone can create in you a new birth and bring you back home to Him. Surrendering to Jesus is still what we all must do if we want to be saved from sin and have eternal life. So I just want to leave you with this. When are you going to have that personal encounter with Jesus you've been putting off? When are you going to just meet with him? When are you going to talk with him? When are you going to let him talk with you? As I warned you, he's going to be truthful. He's going to be honest. He's not going to pull any punches going to just look into your heart and tell you what you need to do. Are you ready? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for each person here today. You know all of us. You know us better than we know ourselves. You know the ins and outs of our lives. You know the games that we've played. You know uh, the facade, the mask that we've put on. You know uh, what's true in our hearts because you can look right into each of us. And we know, Lord, that you will speak the truth into our lives. If we are truly seeking you. And if we drop all the religious pretense. And ask you to change us. Change us from the very depths. From the very beginning. And make us new. I pray today for each person that is here. That there will be this honest exchange, honest encounter with you that will happen. And that we will not avoid that. We would not run from that. We would not say, later, I'll do that later. I'll do that when I get older. I'll do that after I do all these other things. Lord, the sooner we can come and have this conversation with Jesus, at night or day, it's the best thing we could ever do. We will never regret that decision. And we won't need to look back. Lord, help us to come running to you. Help us to seek you with our whole heart. And help us to experience the new life that you alone can give us. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord, give us faith. That's our song. We want to ask for faith. We want to ask to grow. Would you stand with us? Would you sing?